Well, Papa was rolling stone, but Jesus was a living stone. Let's talk about that today on the Midweek Move. take a look at the scriptures line by line, verse by verse, and ask ourselves, what is happening here? Uh, welcome to the show. We're super excited. As you guys are, if you guys are watching this on YouTube, you see that this looks very different than usual. Uh, Pastor Scott, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm, uh, you can, uh, if you love this, then it was my idea. If you don't <laughs> love it, it was still my idea. Uh, we decided we were going to flip the room and uh, just kind of make this a little more comfortable setting. And uh, so I kind of like it. I yeah. think it looks great. Uh, we're not done yet. We're uh, we are kind of in the in the midst of putting pieces together. So uh, it will evolve, and it will do exactly what this podcast is meant for uh, all of us to do, and that is to grow, right. to make a move, to grow, and. Uh, to become more like Jesus. Absolutely. So uh, we've started the year off by jumping into first uh, Peter, and we're going to be kind of walking through uh, all the conversations that Peter has had over the next several months. But last week we had an interesting conversation about um, how we refer to God. I and mean, you actually got a comment, a question from somebody about the the conversation of how people say, refer to daddy God. And somebody asked you, you know, hey, pastor, you know, um, you know, am I, have I been wrong? Have I been air? And it was a sincere, genuine heart. Uh, and I thought it'd be good for us to start off, just to kind of follow up that conversation. What was your words to them about that? Well, number one, I loved it. I, I thought it was amazing uh, that there was this concern that <clears throat> they were like, hey, this was mentioned by Papa God. Have I been doing something wrong? Right. And, you know, is there something that I need to learn? It wasn't like they were feeling condemnation or anything. It was just like, hey, I just want to make sure my heart is in the right place. Sure. Now, I know this person. And so immediately <laughs> when I got the, the message, I was like, you know, your heart is just right on point, You're, you know. Yeah. But the, the, the conversation was that in the context of that was there's this, I don't want to call it a movement, but there's this lean towards, Ah, oh, Papa God, you know, and 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 in that, it leans so far that way that there is no acknowledgement of a fear mm. and trembling before the Lord, right. the awesomeness of God. God is a compassionate, loving God, but He's so compassionate that He's also a God of justice. Absolutely, and we cannot separate those uh, at all. Mm -mm. Um, and so. Uh, that was something that we talked about last week. I don't even know. Uh, I don't even remember how we got into it, but, but, uh, you know, for you, you may be like Father God, you know, or maybe it's just God or or whatever. But it's the acknowledgement of the one true God, and um, you know, the terminology uh, Papa is a loose, loose, loose translation of Abba. Mm -hmm. Very loose. Right. Probably more in line with one of the versions that you and I have talked about <laughs> in times past, which is the, uh, you know, all the different versions that are out there. This, I don't even remember what version the one was where it was like Jesus was a homeboy. And uh, oh, I've forgotten that one. Now. <laughs> but I think that sometimes we um, we we treat the things of God um, a little bit lightly. Yeah. And but you can also be almost uh, 
pharisaical. Yeah. And now everything becomes law mm-hmm. and then you're just piling on top of. So I think the problem that we run into is that, and, and we've had this conversation on our online broadcast about balance recently, Yeah, yeah. but we, uh, sometimes we take illustrations. Sometimes we take words there for a moment and we, we make, um, doctrines and mindsets out of it, losing the context mm-hmm. when that whole movement of referring to God as daddy, God came about. That was them talking to a group of individuals who were suffering from a lot of um, a lot of church hurt, a lot of pain, a lot of guilt. They viewed God as only this, I'm going to zap you and not care because yeah. I'm an angry God. And so this conversation is, look, you know, he's Abba Father. There's just love. There's just care. And it was a word for a very particular group of individuals at the time to help them shift their mindset to who God is into a biblical worldview but people have ran with it. And we've seen that happen with countless things from the hardcore, you know, oh, he's all loving, caring, to we've talked about it before. People who are just so hardcore, like we are wretched worms and we are, you know, burning, you know, balance is the word here. And I think that some people, they do it with a genuine heart, but they've not kept a biblical worldview and they've ran with it. And it has become just super, as you said last last week, very lax. And, you know, it's just, oh, it's just daddy God. It's all good. Look, dad sometimes has to pull the belt on you. <laughs> you <know>? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, and even the that that generational thing that you talked about that season, mm-hmm. even the mindset of how they saw God then was incorrect mm-hmm. because it it wasn't a God of justice. It was a Almost it a was God a of wrath. angry angry God who didn't love them, who mm-hmm. didn't like them, mm-hmm. who didn't care about them, who didn't hear them, who right. didn't listen to them. You know, um, and so even that outlook of God was was incorrect. Mm-hmm. And uh, just today, I got a question: Does God really love everybody? Mm. And it was taking some contextual things with some of the things that were written in Scripture. You know about uh, predestination and you know who I God loves who and now. who God <laughs> hates and all this stuff. And yeah. and uh, I think that again, we we have to read in context. A lot of what we're going to read today needs to be read in context. Uh, who it's being written to, which you covered in our opening. Uh, who is this being written to? Why does that matter? Well, we're going to find out why it matters. A lot of the terminology that Peter uses in in these letters is very specific to a group of specific people mm-hmm. that are going to know exactly what he's talking about when he uses some of these terminologies. Absolutely. Well, um, we love getting questions from you guys, love hearing from you guys. Uh, I want to take a little bit of time on the front end to cover that because we want you guys, we do read your comments. We do respond to you guys. And yep. if you get any, if you have comments or questions, reach out to us, mediahub at threeport.com. Message us through our Facebook page, Midweek Move, because we we want to help you grow. Um, and we love, you know, if we, you're confused by something we said, we want to be clear. Um and you know. if we were confused by something we said, we want to know. Yeah, exactly. We want to know. We want to know. <laughs> so, because again, this isn't a show where we do multiple takes and we're like editing out every other thing. No, this this is, is pretty much one what shot. it is. <laughs> what it is. So, uh, again, we should all be open to instruction and correction and uh, edifying one another and teaching one another, learning from one another. That's what the body of Christ should be. Absolutely. Well, let's jump into it, ladies and gentlemen, in First Peter chapter two. Uh, Pastor Scott, if you'll uh, lead us off. Okay, I'm I'm going from the New King James Version. It says, therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. Now, that terminology there, evil speaking, leans toward uh, the translation of the wording leans toward gossip. Mm-hmm. Um, so, therefore, 
Well, what is the therefore? He's already <laughs> gone into the enduring word. This is the word by which the gospel we preach to you. Therefore, now he's talking about the good news. He's talking about living for Jesus. Mm-hmm. He's talking about being obedient to the gospel. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. All right, so just a couple of things I want to walk through. Um, my translate, crave uh, pure spiritual milk, like newborn. What does that mean? What are we, what are we supposed to be craving? What is this, this quote-unquote spiritual milk that we should be looking for? Well, again, he's speaking, saying as newborn babes, and mm-hmm. how does a how does a baby grow? Well, you don't pull out a pork chop, right. with a six month old, right? You know, it's it's milk, it's nourishment, mm-hmm. and so when when it talks about desiring the pure milk of the word, the nourishment of the word, somebody can read the word of God, and it's nourishing in its in its in its depth and scope, but not received as nourishment, mm-hmm. just read not received. Right. And again, when it's received, when the word of God is received, then you get nourishment from it by which you grow. Right. As a newborn babe, it's not, hey, Leviticus chapter seven, and we're going to go through all this and you're going to get all of this. No, it may be John three sixteen and 17. Mm-hmm. It may be a portion, but it is as you are reading, you are receiving it and you are being nourished. Right. And as you do that with pure spiritual milk, then you move on to meat. Right, exactly. <laughs> and so he's encouraging them to grow. Now, this is interesting. I know that uh, some of the earlier texts, the Alexandrian text, the inclusive vocabulary here uh, that would say that, uh, so that by it, you may grow up in your salvation. Almost suggesting like, he's like, look, you, you're, he's not saying that you're not saved, but he says that, that you're growing in it. Almost a process of sanctification. You're learning how to walk this out and mature as a Christian. And so, because again, who is he writing to? He's writing to people who are new to the faith as a whole. Whether it's uh, some of them are, are some Jews, a lot of them are also some Gentiles or in certain regions. Yep. And the majority of the whole reason for writing it was dispersion, mm-hmm. and then to Jews who were in a place they didn't know anybody. They were around foreign cultures. Mm-hmm. They weren't around cultures that believed like they did. Mm-hmm. And yet, these are Jews now that have accepted Christ as Messiah. Right. They are now being discipled and they are discipling. Mm-hmm. And so when it talks about growing up as newborn babes, many of them are yeah. newborn babes. And so when he says to 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 desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby, growing, I-N-G, mm-hmm. growing, not accepting salvation, they've right. already done that. Exactly. Now it's growing in their faith. Exactly. And I love the terminology of if you have tasted mm. that the Lord is gracious. Mm. Again, that lays back to taste and see that the Lord is good. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like God is a God of our senses. And there are there are aspects of walking with Christ that are multisensory. Yeah. You know, for some people, it can even be a fragrance. Yeah. You know, our senses, <laughs> God created us with these senses for a reason. Yeah. And our senses and act with many different things, whether it be music or or smells mm-hmm. or just sounds. Mm-hmm. There are certain sounds that when I hear it, it reminds me of somebody. Yeah. If I smell something, it reminds me of a place. Absolutely. If, if I hear a song, it may remind me of a place or a time or a person. Mm-hmm. All those things. And so when we talk about, as Peter's talking about, 
he's literally talking about as you grow in the Lord, he says, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Mm. Just so good. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's continue on. Verse 4. All right, verse 4. Coming to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices accepted to God through Jesus Christ. Awesome. So this living stones aspect, um, this is actually an allusion to an Old Testament passage that, again, some of these readers would have instantly go, Man, that's yep. I know he's talking about it. It takes you back to Psalm uh, 118, specifically verses 22 and 23, which says this. The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. And so, Pastor, with that mindset, this is going back to the Old Testament, what are we talking about? What is this stone that's been rejected, and why is it marvelous? Well, when when they're using this, these terminologies as stones, mm-hmm stones in the Old Testament, building blocks. And if you go to Israel, to this day, there are still some stones from the time of Jesus. Mm. You can find cornerstones. These are super, super important. That would have been the first stone that was set. Mm -hmm. And everything else built off of that would be based on that. Mm -hmm. So your specifications, the strength of what you're building would be the strength of that cornerstone. And so when when he's talking about to a living stone rejected the deed, but chosen by God and precious, you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house. Again, Jews from the dispersion, they understand the temple of God. They understand the temple. Mm. When, when there are illusions or types and shadows or terminology that's taking them to that, to that mindset of the temple, they know exactly what's being spoken. Mm. So when it's talking about a spiritual house and a holy priesthood, again, mm. Old Testament, right. they know exactly what's being spoken about. So it's in in their mind, Old Testament-wise, a spiritual house, the temple, and in the temple there is a spiritual priesthood. But here we know that Peter is talking about that it's all being built up through Jesus Christ. Mm. And that now he is the sacrifice. He is the sacrifice. He's the chief cornerstone. Mm-hmm. Everything now comes off of him. Everything in your life. Why did he say, lay, therefore lay aside all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all evil speaking? Because now they are built on the chief cornerstone. And now everything that's built up in their life, them as living stones, right. Ha- those things now have to be removed because that's not a part of the chief cornerstone. Right. The chief cornerstone doesn't have envy, doesn't have malice, doesn't have any of those things. Yeah. And if you're going to build off of that, and if you're going to be built upon that, then you cannot have these things in your life. These things are no longer a part of your life. And doing this helps us to do what, what we're told to do last week's episode, our, uh, conversation, which was be holy as he is holy. Yep. It's building off of who the presentation he is. Now, there's some vocabulary here about holy priesthood. And this has been one of those conversations I've heard people um, will talk about, you know, living a life of purity or something like that. And we'll talk about, you know, living as a representative of Christ. And some people have pushed off this conversation of a holy priesthood. Um, but here we are, Peter, saying, look, if you are a believer, mm-hmm. you're part of this holy priesthood. This doesn't mean that we're Levites all of a sudden. This doesn't mean that we need to go buy, buy Talits and stuff like that and all that kind of stuff. But there are implications of this, of the holy priesthood. And I want to just spend a couple minutes just kind of talking about what this means. If we are part of a holy priesthood, what does that look like? Um, from the Old Testament, what was the job of the priest? Well, they went before the Lord. 
They yep. saw God. Average people didn't see God. Average people didn't have the opportunity to go there. Why? Because they would die. <laughs> they were afraid. They were afraid. So us. Hence, when when Moses goes up on the mountain, they refused to go. Yeah. Up on the mountain, they refused. Mm-hmm. Why? Because there was fear. Mm-hmm. If I have anything in me, I will die if I go up there. Exactly. So us being part of the holy priesthood, that means that we have access to God. Yep. For the first time, some of these people that have lived as Jews, they're going, "Wait, I can I can talk to God." I can experience them in a real way. For years, we've been told that we have to go to a certain point in the courts and let somebody else do that. Now we get to experience God personally. We have access to him. Well, there's some key words there too. The holy priesthood, one of the main things for the holy priesthood is they were set apart. Mm -hmm. Well, now in Christ, uh, the New Testament is clear. Mm -hmm. We are now set apart in Christ. Exactly. We are no longer a part of this world. We Mm -hmm. are not of this world. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. Right. We are set apart mm-hmm. for what? We're set apart for a greater purpose. Right. We're set apart for a greater calling. Mm-hmm. Well, what is that calling? To declare Jesus to the world. Exactly. To go ye therefore into all the world and preach the good news, you know, disciple, uh, baptize, all those different things. That's now our calling mm-hmm. as priests right. in the priesthood um, through Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we, when we, again, when they heard these words, these words meant something to them, but yet Peter is using them with the new definition in Christ Mm -hmm. that now you are a priest, right? Now you don't go through someone else to get to God, Mm -hmm. but now you offer spiritual sacrifices. Well, what are those? Well, that is functioning in uh, being in Christ and living as a follower of Christ. Absolutely. That the old man is gone and now all things are created new and now you've put the new man on. Now you have robes of righteousness. Mm-hmm. Now you walk. Now you're being sanctified every single day. Now you are part of a holy priesthood. Well, wait a second. The sacrifices are I got to go in the temple and I've got to bring, uh, I've got to, I've got to offer up incense and I've got to do all these things. Well, no. Because Christ paid the price for all of that. Right. Now our spiritual servitude to Jesus mm-hmm. is to do what he has called to do and do it in him. Exactly. It's operating in obedience, worship, doing good, giving. Yep. Um, one of the things I think is interesting, um, and we've talked about this, is um, part of the priesthood was to intercede for people. We, we have a culture where we're like, well, call the intercessors. So Call yourself. We're all called to intercede for people. Yeah, we're all called to do this. Uh, we have we have several people in our church that have, uh, I would say, they have a mantle to intercede. Yeah, but and and there are people who are scared to pick that up for one yeah. reason or another, but because they feel like it's only for like a super elite. Right, and we're yeah. all called to do it. Yeah, we're all called and to I, work at this. And I, this is just my opinion, mm-hmm. but the way that that this is written, it seems that maybe they were dealing with some of that. Mm-hmm. Maybe dealing with some of the, I'm saying maybe, because it's not an absolute, maybe dealing with some of those issues of insecurity, mm. of it can't be me. I can't be a priest. There's no way. I wasn't raised that way. I wasn't taught that right. way. I'm not of that line. That's right. That's right. So and it take bring it to American culture. It's like, oh, I'm not a pastor. Mm. I don't have that gift. You know, I'm not... You know, the pastor is here and I'm here, you know, and um, the the apostolic gift is up here and I'm here and the prophetic gift is here and I'm here. And then we kind of layer this out and then we we're actually putting 
putting our calling on somebody else mm. because maybe we're either insecure or we don't want to deal with the responsibility of carrying that. Yeah. Because whenever you're carrying a mantle, there is responsibility that comes with that mantle. Absolutely. Again, spiritual sacrifices in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. Good stuff. All right, verse 6. Therefore, it is also contained in the Scripture, Behold, and here's the language for the Old Testament Scriptures, um, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious, but to those who are disobedient... The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they were also appointed. Mm. So the stone that was meant to be the building stone becomes a stumbling stone for them. Now, the, here's a question for you because we've seen this come up before. Uh, the stumbling, um, they stumble because they disobey uh, the message which they also were destined for. Is this suggesting that people are predestined to go to hell? Or is it saying that this is the result, this is the predestined result of our disobedience? Yeah, I would lay, I would lean towards the, the disobedience part. Mm -hmm. Because again, you can get into so many deep weeds with this right. and so many arguments about all of a sudden now, well, Dallas, you're going to heaven and I'm going to hell. Mm -hmm. Just because doesn't matter what I do. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to hell. Right. Like God just said, okay, Scott's going to hell. Right. No matter what he does. Mm -hmm. Well, if you take that in context with the whole counsel of God, that doesn't really, that washes out. Mm -hmm. It really doesn't have a firm foundation to stand upon. Mm -hmm. And so some people believe that, hey, I'm going to do the best I can and it's just a crapshoot and man, hopefully I'll get in. Mm. Like that's crazy. Yeah, I don't, I don't, and I, and I'm also not one that's just going. Oh man, God loves me so much, I can do whatever I want to do, and then I'm good to go. No way, that's not that. That's that's sand as well. Right, that, there's no sure footing on that. Mm -hmm. And so in these scriptures, you know, Isaiah 28 talks about chief cornerstone, but not only is he a cornerstone, but he's also the stone that the builders rejected, which we know when Jesus comes, they don't recognize him as Messiah because he doesn't come the way that they believe the Messiah will come. Right. He doesn't do what they feel like the Messiah will do. Mm -hmm. He doesn't he doesn't line up with with the inspection. Right. Even when they even during the trial and even during that week when they're inspecting him and they're testing him and they're trying him, they're still believing that he doesn't measure up to that because he came as a lamb. Right. Right. And so he didn't come to conquer the Romans. He didn't come to to just obliterate all of their enemies. So it can't be him. He's just a lowly servant. Is that not the carpenter's son? Mm. Right. And so not only is he a chief cornerstone, but to those who refuse to believe in him, he is the stone which the builders rejected. And no matter if they reject him or not, he's still the chief cornerstone because it's not a temple in Jerusalem. Right. We now are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Exactly. And then it says, you know, Psalm 118 talks about he's a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Mm. So now he he's if you are disobedient and, and refuse to receive him, now just the very mention of him is a stumbling block to you. Yeah. Why? Because you've denied him. Right. Because you've rejected him. And because you rejected him, now every mention of him, every thought of him now becomes a stumbling block to whatever your belief system is. Absolutely. If he's not the way, the truth, and the life, 
and you don't believe that, then every other belief system you have, he's always going to be a stumbling block to that. Right. Man. A lot right there. It's <laughs> <Just> a lot. <laughs> You got anything else on this? No, I mean, it's just, I mean, you kind of laid it out. I mean, he's he's the cornerstone. He's what we base our, our life on. He's what we base our belief on. But we find ourselves in a position where, you know, we're, you know, I don't want to do this. I don't want to follow this. Then he is the, the stumbling block for us. If we deny him, this is the, um, we've had a conversation before about what is the blessing of the Holy Spirit. And from the best of my study and understanding is knowing this is God knowing that Jesus is, is, is Lord, knowing what is godly, but calling it evil, that's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And that's what's happened here is he goes, look, if you know Jesus is Jesus, if you know that he is the Lord and Savior of the world, you know he is God, and yet you are willing to deny him still. He becomes the stumbling block. Yeah. And you will be crushed by it. Yeah, and that's on on like a believer side, what that does is now mm-hmm. when we begin to share the good news with people, which we believe unequivocally it's good news, it may not always be received as good news mm-hmm. because of that mindset right. that now he's become a stumbling block. Right Now we don't interject ourselves in such a way to become a stumbling block. Right. We are not to become a stumbling block to our brethren, Right, but we are to present Christ. And if people reject Christ, it will be a stumbling block to them exactly but we just have to make sure that we are not (laughs) the ones who are interjecting ourselves into that to become the stumbling block absolutely all right verse 9 and 10 but you are a chosen generation a royal priesthood a holy nation his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light who were once not a people but are now the people of god who have not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy so what i love about this is he he's Pointing them to their identity. You guys are a chosen, uh, we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation of people belonging to God. That, meaning there, there's a reasoning for this. You may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into this wonderful light. Our purpose in life is to do this. Declare the praises of him. Declare That's our job in life. Some people, they struggle with the concept of, well, what's my purpose? What am I supposed to do? Well, outside of the, the micro of, of things, your purpose is to praise God, to lift him up, to make his name, uh, to make him famous, I believe is a, a popular term for a while. Yeah, again, Jesus, when he called the disciples, before he sends them out to preach and teach and cast out demons, it says that he called them to himself that they might know him. Mm-hmm. That's number one. Right. Is to know him. Right. Intimate personal relationship. So that when we convey the good news, mm-hmm. we're not just conveying words, but we're conveying that which we have experienced and know and that which the person that we have a relationship with. Right. And that is Jesus. Right. And so uh, again, his his use of language here, because many would look at verse nine and they'd be like, okay, he's talking about Israel, but Who's he writing to? Right. He's writing to believers, many of who are Jews who have accepted Christ. Now he's telling them, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. Now, some people would say, well, he's talking about Israel and the the covenant people and all that. But again, he's he's writing to believers. Right. And he's saying that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. If it was just talking about Jews, 
then they're not proclaiming Jesus right. in a dark world. They're not. So what he is saying is now you, in Christ, mm -hmm. you are a chosen generation. You are a holy people. Right. You have been set apart. And then he goes on to say, you are not a people. Mm -hmm. Well, if this was to the Jews, they were a people. And God says it throughout the old, whole Old Testament. Exactly. That they are his chosen people. But he says, now you are not a people, but you are now the people of God who have not obtained mercy, but now obtained mercy. You're not just the covenant chosen people of God. You are for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. Now you are grafted in through Christ where every stumbling block and every wall Jew and Gentile has been broken down in Christ and now there are no barriers to Christ. Exactly. There are no barriers to God. Mm -hmm. Now in Christ and through the blood of Jesus there are no barriers. There's no veil. There's no temple process you have to go through. Mm -hmm. You are now the temple of the Holy Spirit right. and you have access to God. Right. And going back it's because we've made the decision to obey him. Yep. Again, these are people who were once not, meaning at one point in time, they were not going to go to heaven. They weren't going to experience the fullness of God. But because they obeyed, they're not allowing the chief cornerstone to be a stumbling block for them. They get to walk in this blessing. Yep. And that's the thing for all of us is if we walk in these stuff, if we, if we remove these things from our lives, we walk as, as a holy priesthood and do these things, we get to experience this blessing of mercy and grace. Yep. All right, verse 11. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. All right, so yours says sojourns and pilgrims. My Bible calls us strangers and aliens. What, is this, what does this mean? Like, what I mean, what is a sojourn? What is a pilgrim? I don't wear funny hats on Easter or Thanksgiving normally. So what's happening here? Well, again, going back to the Old Testament where they were strangers in a strange land, mm -hmm. where they were they were also called pilgrims and sojourners on their journey through the wilderness, mm -hmm. heading to the promised land. Now, in Christ, we are in the wilderness, which is the world. Mm. And we are taking this journey, being led by God, mm -hmm. no longer by cloud, by fire, but by the Holy Spirit, the fire, mm -hmm. uh, the eternal flame inside of us right. now, that we are being led by the Holy Spirit through this wilderness of which we are pilgrims and sojourners. We're just right. passing through. Right. Because now in Christ, this is not the end. Right. There is an eternal life that awaits us, a promised land that awaits us, a crossing over that awaits us. And in this now, we are not to, quote, unquote, build our spiritual lives on the earth, mm. but our spiritual lives are built in heavenly places. And we live here on earth. It's just like when they got cast out into, um, into 70 years of captivity. Mm. And they were like, what do we do? And he was like, build houses. But you're not of them. Right. You're not of them. Like, you need to... You need to have a family, you need to multiply, you need to make gardens, you need to work, you need to do all of those things. But in that, don't allow that to get in you. Don't let it allow that spirit of this age because you are not of this world. Right. And so when it talks about sojourners and pilgrims, it is we are just passing through. The Word of God says that our life is just a vapor. Mm. 
it's here and then it's gone. No matter how many years you've lived, right. in the essence of eternity, it's mm. just a vapor. Right. You can be 100 years old. That's a long life. But in eternity, it's just a vapor. Right. Some of them in the Old Testament lived to be six, 600 years old, yeah. 500 years old. I can't imagine. Like, <laughs> wow. But even that is still just a vapor in yeah. eternity. And so... We are sojourners and pilgrims. And what he's saying to them, because again, these these people have been dispersed all over. They've been cast out. So they literally are strangers in strange lands. Mm -hmm. And even in the spiritual sense, because they are in pagan land, many of them are in pagan lands right. that believe in multiple gods, right. that believe in in certain sacrifices that are ungodly and unholy yeah. to their gods. That's where these people are. Exactly. I'm glad that you referenced the the their captivity and God telling them to, you know, you know, build houses, have kids, stuff like that. Because it even relates here in verse 12. Live such good lives among the pagans. He's not saying that just because you're a pilgrim, a soldier, and a stranger alien, that we're supposed to just, you know, all right, not gonna do life with society anymore. We're gonna go off into the middle of some some woods and build our own little society mm -hmm. and block everything off. But he's saying live among the pagans. That, again, for a purpose, we're doing this for a purpose, uh, though they may accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Us doing this, us living among pagans and doing what we're supposed to do, living right as a holy priesthood, it has a purpose. It's to glorify Christ so that even when they accuse us of doing wrong, there's no, there's no response. It's just like, look at my life. I, I've done what Christ has told me to do, and that's it. And if you don't like it because of that, that's on you. Yeah, it's just like the the apostles in the book of Acts when they're forbidden from speaking the name of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And they say, well, whether uh, whether it is right or wrong uh, to God or you, you judge that. But we can't help but speak the name of Jesus. You know, we're not gonna we're not gonna rip on you, we're mm -hmm. not gonna scream at you, we're not gonna argue with you. Right. Whether you think that that's up to you, right? But in our own hearts, we can't help but speak the name of Jesus because right. the experiences we've had, the encounters we've had, that which we have seen and we have heard, right? We are going to make that known on the earth, right? They didn't make a big deal about it, and they're just getting out of jail, yeah. And so it's it's one of those things where, uh, again, it's not just about living a quote unquote good life, but a godly life right. that responds in the way that godly character should respond. Exactly. Our, there's a there's a movement about do good without God, and it's it was comes as a response to us talking about how we do good things out of our, our response for our faith, because God has called me to do certain things. I do this, I do that, and people, uh, as much as they dislike Christianity at times, they forget the fact that you know we're responsible for the majority of the hospitals in the world. That Christianity has uh, worked more for orphans and for the sick and for the homeless, all these other things than any other organization in the world, and they will scream at us, but. Look at the deeds. We do good because of our God to glorify him, regardless of how people like it or not. Yep. And that is our our legacy on this world is this is the good that we do. Not for us. You know, twenty. No, years because we're a holy priesthood. Right. We're a chosen people, set apart by God, and in that being set apart to do good works. Exactly. So well, we're gonna get a little bit more into this doing good stuff in front of other individuals next week. Um Pastor, what's your big takeaway for today? 
Um, I, for me, it may not seem like a takeaway, but for me, it's the language that he uses mm-hmm. uh, to the people. Um, he knows who he's talking to. He knows that they understand exactly what he's saying. Mm-hmm. And also, I believe that the language that he's using is alleviating maybe some doubts that they may have mm-hmm. and even some leanings to go back to the law mm-hmm. and leaning into the law where he's kind of breaking that down and going, no, 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 there is no going back to that because you are the priesthood. Right. You are living stones, mm. not dead stones. Right. If I was just talking about stones, I'd be talking about dead stones. Mm. Again, he removes the whole thing. The temple's not just in Jerusalem anymore. You are the temple, right. the living stones. So I think it's really cool just the, just the language that he used for the people that he was speaking to. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, for me, I'm kind of going back to the conversation about the implications of of us being part of this holy priesthood. We have access to God. We're obligated to live holy. We're responsible for offering sacrifices. Not We're not going out getting goats, but we are obeying him. We're worshiping him in spirit and truth. We're, we're doing good things. We're giving our tithe and our offering. And we're also offering ourselves a living sacrifice. Ser- yeah. Holy and acceptable to God. We're interceding for people. And, I, and, and I, I've... Since reading through this and challenging myself, that's you know, am I walking all these or not? Am I am I actively interceding for people, mm. or am I not? Am I actively um, taking advantage of the access to God? Yeah. Or is it just a passive thing? Yeah. Okay, you're there, God. I mean, the, again, I think about the the Levites. One time a year, and they were only selected a handful of times. Like these guys had access to it, but it was so rare to go. It was a big deal. Not just because if they did it wrong, they would die, but they're like, dude, you were chosen to stand before God. Yeah, and if you go full-on Old Testament, the ones that were called and chosen did not receive an inheritance. Mm. Right. All the tribes got an inheritance. Right. But not the Levites. Yeah. Crazy. (laughs) I mean... (laughs) Their reward was standing before God. <laughs> That's right. And it, you know, it's you know, have I taken advantage of that access to standing before God day and night, mm. day and night? Crazy stuff. Yeah. Well, we want to hear from you guys. How has been your big takeaway? How's this impacted you? How's this challenged you? Reach out to us, MediaHub at threeshreveport.com, um, or check out our Facebook page, Midweek Move. And also, hey, if you're in the Shreveport Bozier area, come by the church, eight nine fifty seven Kingston Road. We have uh, Wednesday night, first things Wednesday nights, where uh, we got teaching, we got communion, we have worship, and all these things taking place on Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m., and then Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock. So until next time, have a great week.